Hey, thanks for listening to Cornerstone Church. You can find us on the web at akcornerstone.org. And we want you to know it's our prayer that the Holy Spirit will use this message to either save you through the good news about Jesus Christ, grow you into the likeness of Jesus, or send you to proclaim Jesus in the Spirit's power. I believe the Lord has given me something to say this morning about Pentecost. Next Sunday is Pentecost, and I feel impressed to share with you some thoughts today on the subject how religion won't work without the Holy Spirit. Religion won't work without Pentecost. So turn with me to Matthew's Gospel. I'm going to read some words of Jesus, the words of our Lord from Matthew chapter 12. Then I'm going to read a little scripture from uh, two or three verses from 1 John 4. I guess I'll turn in the middle. Thank. I have no no prejudice towards the you know people over here. I'll try and get in the middle. I'm not a pacer like Pastor Brad, so maybe that would be good for me to get freed up, right? Matthew chapter twelve, verse thirty-eight. Then some of the scribes and the Pharisees answered him, that is, answered Jesus, and said to him, Teacher, we wish to see a sign from you. But he answered them, An evil and adulterous generation seeks for a sign. But no sign will be given to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. So there is one sign. For just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh will rise up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it, for they repented at the preaching of Jonah, and behold, something greater than Jonah is here. The queen of the south will rise up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it, for she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And behold, something greater than Solomon is here. When the unclean spirit has gone out of a person, it passes through waterless places seeking rest but finds none. Then it says, I will return to my house from which I came. And when it comes, it finds the house empty, swept, and put in order. Then it goes and brings with it seven other spirits, more evil than itself. And they enter in and dwell there. And the last state of that person is worse than the first. So also will it be with this evil generation. Now I want to look at a scripture in 1 John chapter 4. Verse 13. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us of the spirit. And we have seen and testify that the father has sent his son to be the savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the son of God God abides in him and he in us. Let's pray. Lord God, we ask that in these very, very sacred moments, 
that you would meet with us. I pray that your word would have power to bring revelation and understanding to our minds. I pray that your Holy Spirit will release words to me to say that can bring change and hope and transformation in our hearts. Let your word, the word of God, be be, uh, ever relevant and powerful to us. Word of God, speak to our hearts today, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I have been remarkably blessed with a godly heritage. I'm unusually blessed. I I just was thinking about it driving in to church this morning of how blessed I am that I'm and I'm grateful for my religious ancestry that God gave me godly parents and godly grandparents on both sides and I've just been in the church and of the church all my my entire life. And yet I have found that religion does not work without Pentecost. Christianity will not work without the Holy Spirit. Trying to live for Jesus will not work without the living presence of Christ within me. No matter how hard that we work at it, even if it's possible to get to the place where we're so disciplined, so well disciplined that our our life is completely swept clean, just squeaky clean, as it were, empty of sin. Like the Apostle Paul, he said in his pre-conversion days, he, he, he was so good at keeping the law, he says, as touching the law, he was blameless. So swept clean that our soul can be that way, but our soul will be still empty and joyless and weary and, uh, and a sad place to live without the indwelling fullness of God's Holy Spirit. Now, Jesus gave us a very stern lesson in the scripture reading that we just looked at about uh, religion. He was a Addressing this to religious leaders of his day, the Jewish people of his day, people who were very um, concerned about obedience to the Torah. And Jesus first warned in verse 31, we didn't read that verse, but he brought a warning against about blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. And then he gave them a word picture about a house being empty swept clean, and a house that is perfectly put in order. And he's talking about religious people. He's talking about religion. He's talk about, talking about getting your life fixed up and being morally good, being a good person, trying to live for God by the practice of religious moralism. He said it's like cleaning up a house sweeping the house clean of sin and uh, having a well-ordered and well-disciplined daily routine so the house is well-kept. And Jesus is is, is talking about how we can try to serve God by the way of sin management, by self-reform, 
And he's speaking about how hazard it is, is how ineffective it is, and how frustrating it is to, to try and live for God in this way. This is not the way that the life of God is supposed to work. It's not the way it is designed to work. If we try to be religious and to try to live a good life, but not be filled with the Holy Spirit, Jesus said, you're like an empty house. You're like an empty house. And the meaning of these verses is, goes like this. Religion without the living presence of Jesus, which is the sign of Jonah, the resurrected Christ, he's, he's alive now, Religion without Jesus living in the house, a house that is swept clean and a house that is put in order, but is empty of the life of God, is a very dangerous thing. Jesus said that we are opening ourselves up to the enemy's deception The enemy will come in and where there's a vacuum, where there's an emptiness, where the life of God is not indwelling, it's going to be filled by something. And it's an opportunity or an invitation for the enemy to come in and fill that house. I want to tell you that we were reconciled to God by the cross of Jesus Christ. By the death of Jesus, Jesus made it possible for us to have a relationship with him. And the reconciliation with God makes it possible then for us to have fellowship with God. And fellowship with God is the goal. It's the ultimate intention. It's the design of God, the purpose for which he redeemed us. He didn't just redeem us in order to for our sins to be forgiven. Our sins are forgiven so that we are reconciled with God so that we can live in relationship with God and have fellowship with God and fulfill the ultimate intention for why he created human beings to begin with. And the resurrection of Jesus Christ makes possible God's ultimate intention to give us the Holy Spirit. To live within us, for God is alive today. Jesus is alive. And he says there's no other sign that is necessary than the sign of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now the Holy Spirit is the one who Jesus sent. Remember how the timeline goes? The word became flesh. Jesus was born. He became a babe. It's called the incarnation. He became man. John says he pitched his tent among us. He lived among us. He lived a godly life. He showed us how to live a life by the Holy Spirit. Everything he emptied himself and everything that Jesus did, he did by the Holy Spirit. And then he died on the cross for our sins. He rose from the dead. He he ascended to the father and before he ascended, he told, he promised them. He says, I will not leave you as orphans. I will not leave you comfortless. I will send you the Holy Spirit. And the last act of Jesus ministry was to send the Holy Spirit. Now he's seated at the right hand of the father, bearing intercession for our sins. And it is the Holy Spirit that Jesus sent to us. Who becomes within us the real living presence of Jesus in our life. And without the Holy Spirit, 
Without this resurrected Christ dwelling within, Jesus says we are like a house that is empty of life, empty of personality, and devoid of power. And as Jesus warned, we are most vulnerable to oppression and deception when we attempt to reform our life without filling our heart with the living presence of Jesus. There's no power of life in trying to practice religion by sin management. No matter how hard we try to clean up, clean up our life, reform ourselves, change our bad habits, discipline ourselves, our life will be empty, lacking the fullness of God. Do you know this morning you need the fullness of God? You need His fullness because Christianity is no fun without His fullness within. Christianity does not teach us to serve God by reform and by good resolve. It teaches us to serve God by being filled with the living presence of Jesus who indwells us by the Holy Spirit. And this lesson of Jesus is a warning against any well-intended discipline that attempts to replace the ministry in the presence of the Holy Spirit in our life. I don't know where you're at this morning in your understanding of Christianity, but I pray to God that through this message, He will make you aware that Jesus gave us the Holy Spirit and Christianity will not work without Pentecost, without the Holy Spirit. What good is a clean house if no one lives in it? A house doesn't become a home until people move in it. The empty atmosphere when people come in is all of a sudden filled with personality filled with laughter, filled with song, and filled with fellowship, and filled with conversation, and filled with dance. A house is not a home unless somebody dwells within it. And your life will be empty until you are filled with the Holy Spirit. Your life will not function right, will not be the kind of life that God created it to be and intended it to be and why He made people to to begin with for fellowship with Him until His presence indwells you. You become the temple of God, the habitation of God, indwelt by the personality of God, by the life of God. This is the greatest miracle. This is the greatest privilege. This is the greatest mind-blowing mystery that there is in this world, that you and I can be filled with all the fullness of God. This is so big, so central, so core to how spirituality is supposed to work that Jesus told his disciples, don't do anything, don't do anything. Wait, tarry until you are endued with power from on high. This is so critical, so important. The filling of the Holy Spirit is the one thing that promises to be everything. And the whole point of the gospel, the whole goal of redemption is to fill us with the life of God. 
God, there is a God. He is alive. He is personal. He is loving. He is relational. And he wants to dwell inside mankind, men and women, in a very personal way. And you and I can experience God as livingly real. Amen? Your life was designed to be the habitation of God. In the Old Testament, one of the patriarchs, his name is Jacob, is a great illustration of this. It was the God revealed this truth to us through Jacob. Jacob had an experience where he met the Lord face to face. And he was so dumbfounded, so awestruck by it, so taken up by it that he said these very simple words. He says, I can't believe it. God has gone with me everywhere I go. That was a new revelation. God has gone with me everywhere I go. In the New Testament, it says, walk in the spirit. Walk, keep in step with the Holy Spirit. As Pastor Ash says, says, be filled with the Holy Spirit. The be filled in the original Greek is in the present tense, mean keep on being filled. Why do we have to keep on walking with the Spirit and keep on being filled? Because I don't know about you, but I know about me that I tend to leak out. <laughs> and I, I leak out. Sometimes, some days uh, the hole is bigger than other days. And, and because I leak out, I need to keep filled with the Holy Spirit. But Jacob said, I met God face to face and I lived. I met God face to face and I lived. And so he named the place where he met God face to face. He gave it the name Bethel, which means the house of God or the dwelling place of God. And it became a revelation to Jacob that is for you and to, for me this morning that God wants to come and dwell with us we have that privilege it is the privilege it is the reason for which jesus went to the cross so that you and i can have fellowship with almighty god and the intention of god from genesis to revelation is to come and dwell with men and women for us to be the temple of God, the house of God, the habitation of God, for us to host the Holy Spirit. Paul said, did you not know that your bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit? Has it ever dawned on you that your purpose in this world is to host the Holy Spirit so that we can go out in the world and be living witnesses to the reality of the living risen Christ so that the world will see our, our life and say, where do you get that from? First Peter 3.15. He says, where do you get the hope? Live in such a way that people will say, where do you get that kind of hope from? It's supernatural. God has a better plan for spiritual maturity. And I want you to see these verses in Colossians chapter 1, verse 25. Paul says, I have become a minister according to the stewardship that God has given to me. Colossians 1, 25. He says, I became a minister according to the stewardship from God that was given 
to me for you to make the word of God fully known. Let me just stop there. Paul is saying something special was given to me in order to reveal the word of God in a full disclosure, a more complete picture, a more perfect understanding of the meaning of God's intention for us, the word of God for us. Paul says, God gave me something and, I, and, I, and I've been trying to explain it to you. And he goes on and he says, it was a mystery. It once was a mystery, but God is now in his sovereign choice called me to reveal that mystery to you. And it's the mystery that was hidden for ages and generations, but is now revealed to his saints. To them, God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles. So the privilege is, is not for the, just the Jewish family, but for all the nations, the Spirit was poured out at Pentecost upon all flesh, right? Un, undoing what happened at Babel. And now it's the Holy Spirit is given to everyone so that Peter said at Pentecost, this promise is the promise of Christ that the Holy Spirit would come and, it, and it's a promise that is available unto you and to all of your children, he said which is the riches of the glory of this mystery. And what is the mystery? It is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you. You see, Christ in us gives us a, an awareness, a manifestation, an understanding, and a personal experiential uh, awareness of the reality of God that is just like a thimbleful of the infinitude of God that gives us a, a glimpse of what it's going to be like where, when we're in His presence throughout all eternity. And the Holy Spirit is like a sign within us of the presence of God, of what it will be like when we get to heaven. And it's the Christ in you, the hope of glory. And then notice what Paul says. Him we proclaim, warning everyone, and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. Now, God has a plan for spiritual maturity, and Paul just explained what it is. It is this mystery of the incredible possibility that we sinful human beings can be indwelt by the Holy Spirit of God. Isn't that incredible? Only way that could be made possible was through the forgiving grace of God through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. And it is called the mystical union with Christ. The mystery of the indwelling Christ is God's plan for spiritual maturity. You cannot be a mature Christian without the indwelling presence of the living God walking with you every moment of the day. It's like John says in 1 John, I think it's 3.6 or 3.16, he says, Whosoever abideth in him sinneth not. Our ability to be victorious over sin and to not sin is conditioned upon our abiding, upon the cooperating with and allowing the indwelling Christ to live within us. Now look at these verses in 1 John 4, 13 and 15 again that we, we started out the service with. By this we know that we abide in Him and He in us because He has given us of His Spirit. 
His Spirit is for the purpose of abiding, for the purpose of us connecting in fellowship with God. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent His Son to be the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, what happens? God abides in Him and He in God. Do you know that abiding presence of the living God within you? Do you know God is livingly real? It comes only by receiving the Holy Spirit, by being filled with the Holy Spirit, by keeping on being filled with the Holy Spirit. We cannot live without abiding in Him. As Jesus says in the Gospel of John, it's like a a vine in the branches. If If we aren't abiding in Him, we're not bearing fruit. We cannot exist spiritually in the way that God intends us for to live without abiding in Him. And God has given us the Spirit so that we can know God as livingly real. Christianity absolutely won't work without the Holy Spirit. Why do you need Him in your life? Well, He writes the law on our heart as Ezekiel prophesied would happen at Pentecost. He says, I'll send my spirit and and he will write the law on the heart. It'll no longer be an external thing that you're trying to keep by sin management. Now it's going to be planted within the heart where you want to will the will of God. And he gives us a desire to obey God. He manifests the love of God to us so that we can experience then the deep, deep love of Abba, Father. That's what Paul's prayer for the Ephesians in Ephesians 3 is all about, that he might strengthen you in the inner man by his spirit so that you will know the length and the depth and the breadth of the love of God and that you'll be filled with all the fullness of God. This only comes by receiving the Holy Spirit. He grafts us together with the Jews into the privilege of having fellowship with God like he had revealed to Jacob. He puts a song in our heart and he stirs us to worship God. He gives us the gifts of service and he empowers us to live a life for God. He grows the fruit of God's nature in our hearts so that we have what Paul describes in the book of Ephesians as the fruit of the Holy Spirit which is the character of Jesus demonstrated through our life. The experience of Pentecost, my friend, is the key that unlocks the door into into a relationship with God, which is the whole point of why we are here on this planet. At Pentecost, he revived the dry bones that was prophesied in Ezekiel and he broke the barriers that had separated the human race since Babel and he baptizes us into one family where we are regenerated and invited into fellowship with the Lord. At Pentecost, he puts God's law in our hearts and he makes it as sweet as honey to our lips and to our soul. At Pentecost, he gives us a new power for doing God's work on earth, which is the anointing of the spiritual gifts, which the spiritual gifts are the power tools of the Holy Spirit for us to see Christ's kingdom come in our generation, at the job where you work, in the house where you live, in the church where we worship. We need the power tools of the Holy Spirit in order to serve Christ and see His kingdom come in our times. 
Lord, come again in our generation. In our day, make it known. In the midst of these years, these years, Lord, do it again. In wrath, remember mercy. And we need the Holy Spirit in this hour, in this critical time. Without the Holy Spirit, we can have a body, but not be filled with the presence of God. We can practice religion, but not be alive to God. We can attend church all of our life, but still be spiritually dead and a slave to sin. We can have great powers of discipline, but not be able to put off the old man and his sinful deeds. We can have a form of godliness and practice a certain way of being a good moral person, but have no endowment of power. We can own a Bible, but have no appetite for it. We can be well educated, but have no spiritual understanding. And the heavenward hemisphere becomes a blank. We can be highly cultured, but be completely selfish and unloving people if we don't have the Holy Spirit. We can profess to be a Christian, but have no desire, no spark in our soul to worship the Lord. We can go for counseling and not be set free. We can fill the church with people and yet be empty of the mighty presence of God. When we are controlled by the flesh... Rather than the spirit, we seek to be satisfied by the physical, material dimensions of our world instead of the spiritual. We will love the world, but have no passion for God's presence. We can sing hymns and choruses, but have little gratitude and praise to God. We're not able to handle the disappointments and the limitations of life if we're not filled with the Holy Spirit. We're restless and discontented, unloving and unkind. Unless we're filled with the Holy Spirit, we'll be bitter and unforgiving, faithless and doubting and despairing and critical and negative and morose, easily offended and self-aware and defensive. Without the Holy Spirit, we'll love evil and not holiness. We'll walk in darkness rather than light. We'll talk the talk, but not walk the walk. It's like trying to be a flashlight without the batteries. Like an empty house without personality and life within it. Friends, the Holy Spirit is indispensable. He's indispensable. He's the life of God in our world. He's the brooding presence that is there in the opening verses of the book of Genesis that hovers over the emptiness and the darkness. He's the personality of God that fills our spirit. He awakens our soul to the grace of God. He enlightens our mind to the truth of God. He gives us a sense of an awareness of God. He fills us all with the fullness of God. He's the love of God that is manifested to our heart. He's the whisper of God that guides us. He's the comfort of God that assures us. He's the compassion of God that tells us that you're not alone. I'm there with you. He's the hug of God that tells us you're forgiven. I died for your sins. He's the kiss of God that tells you you're dearly beloved of God. He gives us a drink. 
and satisfies our thirst from the wells of salvation. He's the taste of God's goodness. He gives us a hunger to be in God's presence. He tugs on our heart and He draws us to the Lord. He calls us into the holiness of God. He sets eternity in our hearts and gives us a longing for heaven. He gives us a foretaste of the glory that is to come. He guides us with His light. He, he prays in our spirit. He groans in our soul. He lays a burden in our heart. He unveils the deep things of the nature of God. He puts in our, a word within our mouth. He, he ignites a fire within our heart. He makes dry bones come alive. He raises us to newness of light. He is the heartbeat of God. He is the joy of God. He's the peace of God. He's the laughter of God. He's the tear of God. He's the persuasion of God. He's the testimony of God. He's the revelation of God. He reveals to us the depth of the infinitude of God. He's the enlightenment that comes to us on earth from above. He's the cleansing flame that purifies the heart. He's the song of God within our soul. He enlarges our territory and expands our opportunity. He's the creativity of God that gives us great ideas for God to do in this world. He's the song of God in our soul. He runs through the troop and He causes us to leap over a wall and He puts a prayer in our heart like he gave David, O oh, take not thy Holy Spirit from me, for he is the energy of God. He's the touch of God. He's the healing hand of God. He's the power of God. He's the anointing of God. He's the nearness of God. He's the honey of God to our lips. He quenches our thirst with the water of life. He revives our soul with the dew of heaven. He alerts our conscience through the word of God. He fulfills every promise that God has ever given us. And he was sent to this world in order to recarbonate our flat life. We cannot live without the Holy Spirit. So in summary, the Holy Spirit makes God real to our soul. Jesus is alive. That's the sign of Jonah. He's a living God. He's the living Lord. He's in our world and He's here by His Holy Spirit. And you and I cannot live for the Lord without the Holy Spirit. He has given us of His Spirit and we have seen the Father. Without that revelation, without that understanding of the Father, we can't live for the Father. Without the Holy Spirit, we're like a house that is empty of life and personality and power. Like I said, it's like trying to be a flashlight without the batteries. So the Holy Spirit is the something that promises to be everything. Nothing makes more of a difference in our life than whether or not we have invited the Holy Spirit into every room, every crevice and corner every closet and shed within our heart and life. Invite the Holy Spirit in to be the explosion in your soul, to be like a, a balloon that just fills it and expands your heart. God is calling you today to a life of cooperation with the Holy Spirit, to keep in step, to walk with the Holy Spirit. He says if we Walk with the Spirit. We will live by the Spirit. Would you like 
to just be a religious, moral person? Or would you like to be alive (laughs) with the fullness of God? That's the wonderful privilege of the choice that Christ gave us when he ascended the Father. He sent the Holy Spirit and he breathed upon his disciple and he says, receive the Holy Spirit. Would you like to experience God's perfect plan for spiritual maturity? Would you like to switch from trying to be mature by way of sin management to this plan that God is offering us today, which is abiding in fellowship with the indwelling fullness of the Holy Spirit? Are you hungry for the Holy Spirit in your life? Have you ever asked him to come in and fill every room? In the book of Acts, tells about a people, the book of, in, 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 in Ephesus, that the question was asked, have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? And they said, we didn't even hear that there is a Holy Spirit. Could that be where you're at this morning, that you believed Christ for forgiveness of your sins, but somehow you haven't received the Spirit in order to make it all work? Jesus said, I'm going to leave you with this last verse. This this verse comes at the end of the Bible, the book of Revelation, Revelation chapter 3, verse 20. He says, behold, I stand at your house. What is your house like this morning? Is it empty and swept clean and well-ordered and well-disciplined? He says, I'm standing there and I'm, I'm knocking at the door. What's he want to do? He wants to come in. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, he said, I will come in to him. I will come in to him. This is the mystery revealed. This is the mind-blowing privilege of Pentecost. I will come in to him and I will eat with him. I'll, I'll hang out with you. I'll sit at the table and fellowship with you and and we'll have conversation with you and I'll teach you things about the deep, deep things that lie in the heart of God. And I'll show you the Father. I'll show you how much you're loved. I'll come in and eat with him and he with me. That's an invitation for you this morning. Let's pray. I want you to listen to the Lord right now. Would you just Tell the Lord how much you want his Holy Spirit. Would you invite the Holy Spirit into your heart? Would you say, Holy Spirit, I want to cooperate with you. I want to keep in step with you. I want you to dwell within me so that Christ becomes livingly real to my soul. Thank you, Lord, for the gift of your Holy Spirit. I I feel like that I lack the words sufficient to be able to say what is so important to be said. So, Lord, you can say that. You can impress it upon our hearts. I pray that we will understand how critical the time is that we're living and how desperately we need the Holy Spirit 
if for no other reason to lead us to know how to intercede for our generation like Moses did his and Abraham did his, Lord. We will stand in the gap and we will be able to intercede for our times and know what lies upon your heart. Release upon us, I pray today, Lord, the Holy Spirit. Move in our midst. And I pray that our church will be a spirit-filled church. It would be a church of people that seek after you and understand how desperately we cannot try to be a Christian on our own by way of sin management, but only by being filled with the life of God, the fullness of your life within. We receive your spirit now. Would you receive the spirit? If you'd like to come and pray, we'd like, love to meet you here at the altar, at the platform, and pray. You just please listen to the Lord. Receive the Spirit this morning. God bless you.